happening. Now, we don't have a lot of time, so you're going to have to stick with me. And uh, if you know my preaching style, we're going to dive into the Bible, but we're not going to uh, linger long. So you have to listen, listen carefully. Acts 21. If you have your Bible this evening, Acts 21 is where we're going to be. And as soon as you find Acts 21, I invite you to stand with me. In Acts 21, now Acts is, Acts is a church planning book. It is a, it is a missionary book. Once Jesus ascended, he ascended in the first couple of verses of the entire book. The, the rest of the book is how the church carried out the great commission of spreading the gospel to all people. So, I mean, it's appropriate that it would be preached at a missions conference. It would be appropriate uh, in, in any setting, really, in this day and time in the local church. But at this protect, particular point in the book of Acts, we're focusing on Paul. Uh, Luke is writing about Paul, and Paul, as you know, has taken many missionary journeys. Many. Uh, three big ones. And he's about to head, or he's on his way back to Jerusalem right now from a missionary journey that just ended in Ephesus. And I'm telling you all this for a reason. You'll see where this is going. So Paul is on his way back to, Eph uh, sorry, from Ephesus to Jerusalem. And from Jerusalem, he's going to head to Rome. He's going to head to Rome. Now that's a big deal because the Holy Spirit made it clear to Paul that that's what he was supposed to do. And he was determined to follow God's will. So, if you have Acts 21, we're going to actually begin just a couple verses before that. Then, verse 36 of 20, chapter 20, it says, And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him into the ship. And it came to pass that after we were gotten from them, and had launched, we came unto a straight course unto Coos, and the day following unto Rhodes, and from thence unto Patera. And uh, the story continues. Paul is traveling to Jerusalem, and there's details there. Look at verse number 4. It says, And finding disciples, we tarried there seven days, who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. So these disciples said, Paul, don't, don't go. Don't go. Well, the, we continue. Paul runs into Philip. In the next couple of verses, Philip was the one who led the Ethiopian eunuch to the Lord. This, that Philip, Paul came across him. He came across a prophet in verse number 10 through 11. But jump down to verse, uh, verse number 13. Sorry, verse number 12. It says, And when we heard these things, both we and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What mean ye to... Uh, what mean ye to weep and to break my heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. The will of the Lord be done. I want to speak to you very briefly this evening as we're getting started on our missions conference about the theme, the anthem, of the will of the Lord be done. The will of the Lord be done. It has to be a determination. The will of the Lord be done. Father, I thank you for this evening. I thank you for the opportunity to stand here in this pulpit, Lord. And I, I pray that you would just calm my nerves, Lord, that you would gather my thoughts together. Lord, this, this passage is powerful, and I pray that it would, would come forth. Lord, I pray that you would give great liberty in preaching. May your Holy Spirit do the work that it intends to do. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. 
Last year, 2018, was a hallmark year in my life. Hallmark year. It was the year I turned 27. 27 years old, which means if you do the math, this year it went up one more. 27 years old. Usually, decades, 20, 30, 21, it's a big deal, 20, 21, 30, 40, those are the big years, not in my book. If you think about it, the decade of 17 to 27 is what I, I like to uh, think of as the decision decade. The decision decade. How many of you, just by a show of hands in here, are in between, you're, you're 17 to 27 or somewhere in there? Just by a show of hands, okay. We have a lot of them, a lot of liars, that's good. <laughs> 17 to 27, you know, it, it, it makes sense that it would be the, the decision decade. So many decisions that people make that determine their entire life, that affect their entire life are made in this decade. Where am I going to go to school? Where am I going to go to college? What job am I going to do? What career path am I going to take? Where am I going to move to? Where am I going to start settling roots? A lot of people start to buy their house before they're 27 years old. It's, it's a big decision. It makes a lot of decisions down the road right there. Who am I going to marry? You can decide after that. <laughs> FYI. But generally, that, the, that decade is the decade where those decisions are made. It's a very, very important decade. And the reason any decision that's made outside of 17 to 27 is such a big deal is because it's later on in life. Things are already going. There's already, there's already a process that's been put into place. So it's a big deal if a change happens. And I remember thinking as a teenager, as a 17, as a 17-year-old, that I had my life figured out. I, I did. I was, I was confident. And, and it wasn't even like... Like a lot of 17-year-olds who have no idea what they're doing or that they've never walked with the Lord. No, I, I surrendered to preach as a 12-year-old boy. I, I had everything planned out. I knew I was going to go to Heartland. I knew that, uh, that someday I would end up preaching and pastoring. So everything was figured out, or so I thought. So I thought, really, what I, I, I like to say this way, I was too happy to know how scared I was. You know, because there's a lot of big decisions that come down the road. And I remember many of you would as well, if you grew up in church, if you grew up in any setting where there was preaching as a teenager, at youth rallies, at, at, uh, at Silverwood, at camp, at stuff like that, you heard preachers say, don't be afraid of God's will, be afraid of missing God's will. You've heard that. You've heard that. I heard that too. But I think, and I know it was never intended to come across this way, but whenever I heard the, the statement and the phrase, don't be afraid of God's will, be afraid of missing God's will, that all of a sudden there starts, starts to become this maybe embedded fear of the God's will is out there. God's will is something that is perfect. There's a perfect plan, and I better find it. You know, and, th and that would make sense because I've been warned my entire life, don't be afraid of, of God's will, be afraid of missing God's will. But I'm here to tell you tonight, God's will is not something that God who is God, God who loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us, that God's will is not something that he's taken and he's hidden somewhere saying, go find it. If, if you say tonight that I want God's will for my life, I want God's will to be play, planned out, not my plans, not my agenda, but God's will. Listen, God wants his will in your life even more than you want his will in your life. And a God who is God 
is big enough to keep those who want his will in his will. So you don't have to be afraid of missing God's will if you're submissive. And that's where I would say, don't be afraid of God's will. Be afraid of not being surrendered to God's will, of being surrendered. Paul was surrendered to God's will. Paul knew if we were to go back to uh, chapter 20, chapter 19, we won't take time to do that tonight, but it was clear, it was, it, was, it was made known that Paul was supposed to take the gospel to Rome. Paul knew that that was supposed to happen, but in order for that to happen, he had to go back to home base. He had to go back to the, the church in Jerusalem. And so along the way, the Holy Spirit didn't hide this from Paul. He said, Paul, whenever you go, there's going to be abounds and afflictions. Afflictions are going to come, Paul, whenever you go to Jerusalem. And so with that being the case, with that being known, guess what? God's will looked scary. It looked daunting. And everyone that was close to Paul said, Paul, this is going to be a heavy thing. This is going to be something that's not going to be fun, Paul. And with, this, with all this in mind, Paul still had to determine, there still had to be a determination in his heart that no matter what, I have to do God's will. And you have to determine tonight that God's will in your life, God's will in Wooden Valley Baptist Church, God's will for missions, God's will for what your part in missions is this year, God's will for, for your life, for your decisions, has to be preeminent. You have to say, I am determined for God's will to be lived out in my life. But what this passage shows is that when you determine to follow God's will, sometimes the hardest things that come aren't direct persecutions. And let me show you. We're going to go through this real quick tonight. Jump back to the beginning of the, of the chapter. <clears throat> it says, And it came to pass that after we were gotten from them. That word gotten, you know what that word gotten means? That word gotten is a word that literally means to be ripped apart. To be, to be it, 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 the, the imagery is like a, a sword being pulled out of a sheath. It is a very, it is an act of separation, but one that's not willing. It's a very intentional ripping apart. Well, who's being ripped apart? Paul is being ripped apart from the church of Ephesus. Listen, these were people that he's been with for three years. For three years, Paul has poured himself into these people. He has, he has ministered to them. He has loved them. He has invested his life into them. And when the time came for him to step away, it was like a ripping apart. <clears throat> I brought this picture tonight, this, uh, th and you, you can't see it back there in the back, but there's two little boys there. And this is me and my brother. This has taken years and years and years ago. I don't even know how old we are, probably around five and three or six and four, somewhere in there. And this picture is something that's come with me to Heartland to now to, the, to Washington, where I live now. And I keep it, and it is such a testimony and a reminder. You know, two of the hardest days of my entire life were the day, was the day I went to Heartland and was the day I moved to Washington because those were the days I separated, I said goodbye to my brother. The brother that I grew up with, the brother that I had memories with, the brother who uh, we can read each other's thoughts. You, you have a brother, you know what it's like. You, you, nobody can make me laugh harder than Colton Bennett's Lutrick. Nobody. No, that, that's how it works. That's how it works. But Paul had to determine that following God's will meant being separated from those that he loved. And listen, parents... There, there, there's coming a day when if you honestly say, I want God's will for my child's life, there may be a separation. And listen, there, there, there's not some morbid expectation. You're like, all right, goodbye, and your kid's gone. 
it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a ripping apart. It, it is a hard separation. The, it, it, don't, don't kid yourself. It takes a toll. It takes a toll. Being separated from those you love. But sometimes, if you're determined to do God's will, that's, that's going to happen. Look around and think about the class that I taught three years ago, now graduating, going to college. There's a, there's a, there's a ripping apart. But listen, you have to determine to follow God's will. Because you know what happened? In verse number four, they came to disciples. And, and here's, here's, a, here's a real good pattern in the Bible. Here's something that I found in my life. Whenever I trusted God and stepped out, and I stepped away from those that I love, God has a way of bringing people into your life for encouragement. God, the God who invented relationships is big enough to bring the right ones into your life. Because I ended up going to Heartland and making some of the closest friends that, that I've ever made in my entire life. That wouldn't have happened otherwise. And then I come up here to Washington, and guess what? Some of those friends are here tonight, and then there's new people. There's new people. God has a way. If you trust him and step out and follow his will, he, he doesn't replace people. He adds. He adds. And I'm not, making, I'm not stretching the, test, the text to be more than it says. God brought the right people into Paul's life. But number two, there was the common theme that kept being repeated over and over again. Paul, don't go. Paul, don't go. Even Agabus, a couple of verses later, gives an illustration. He brings out his belt and he, he bounds Paul and he says, This will happen to the man that goes to Jerusalem. It was very intense. And all the people that love Paul said, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Sometimes if you determine to follow God, there's going to be some very well-intentional discouragement. People that love you discouraging you. I, I've had people literally stick their finger in my face and say, go back to Texas right here in Washington. But that's not the hard part. The, the, the people that are full of animosity and bitterness, that's, that's one thing. But when people that you love say, AJ, there's work here. I mean, Dallas is big. Why do you have to go across the country and serve? Listen, this, that's where the rubber starts to meet the road. It's, it's, well it's well intended. It's very well intended. People that you know that don't know Christ say, you're going where on a Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night? You give how much of your money to tithe and then missions on top of that? It, it's not somebody that's full of animosity hating you. Sometimes it's well intended, but listen, whenever you decide to follow God, there's going to be often some well-intended discouragement. You have, to, you have to determine beforehand, I'm going to serve God no matter what. No matter what. And Paul did that. As the story goes on, <clears throat> Paul got to the very end, and one thing I love, did you notice this? Look at verse number, uh, verse number 13. And Paul said, What mean you to weep and to break mine heart? Out of all the stuff Paul went through, out of prisons and beatings and scourgings and the pain that he went through. You know whenever we see Paul being brokenhearted, it's whenever he was dealing with those that he loved, the church people, saying, Paul, don't go. But he said, I have to do God's will before anything else. So you know what they determined in the next verse? They said, and when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, the will of the Lord be done. And you know what? Wooden Valley Baptist Church, individual there has to be an anthem. There has to be a flag hanging over your house, over your family, over your individual life, saying no matter what, the will of the Lord be done. No, it doesn't matter what the world says. It doesn't matter how my friends try to pull me away. It doesn't matter what, what pain might, might, might appear on the surface. The will of the Lord be done. 
This has to be the anthem. This has to be the cry. And listen, it doesn't just happen naturally. It, it doesn't just fall into place. You have to determine beforehand the will of the Lord be done. It's a determination. And in closing, you know what happens to Paul? I'm going to give you the rest of Acts in a drive-by. Paul goes to Jerusalem. Exactly what the Holy Spirit said would happen, bonds and afflictions happen. He got thrown into prison. But you know what? This is so good. Whenever he got thrown into prison, now he's under the custody of Rome. And he appealed to Caesar. So now, you know who wanted to kill Paul more than anybody? Not Rome. It was the Jews. The Jews now can't get to Paul because he's behind these Roman guards. And he gets escorted to Rome on the government's dime. Rome says, all right, bring Paul over. And now the government's paying for Paul to go. In Rome, he's going to write books like Ephesians and Philippians. Books that are going to invest in the people that he got separated from and we're still benefiting from today. Listen, you cannot put a price tag that says, well, that's too much to serve God. It's worth it. It's worth it. You don't know what the end result's going to be. And it doesn't matter. You have to determine tonight, no matter what, no matter where you're at, and in regards to missions, in regards to, to anything in your life, any single decision that's coming up, the will of the Lord be done. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to preach, and I, I, pr- I pray that you would let, let the seeds take root, and that this truth and this passion